Ladies and gentlemen, we're just going to get straight into it. Today's guest is a very funny stand-up comedian who has a new special on YouTube right now called Too Big to Fail. In this episode, we talk about a lot of hot-button topics like internet vigilantism, how the DIY approach to comedy and promotion is the most effective way to do it in this day and age, and the hit sitcom Dad's Army. So please, welcome back to the podcast, Mr. Rob Moreland. Holland, you're actually my first ever returning guest. I feel very honoured. It's good to be back. Yeah, back in the firing line. Yeah, back in the real world. We're not at the Edinburgh Festival this oh, time. Oh, Jesus, yes. Yeah, how did you find it in our month? I found it like the best experience ever. Yeah. Don't know if I'm going to do it again next year, though. Yes, no, that is fair. It is a lot. Um, it's not just that. For me, it was just like, okay, I've done that now. Um... I thought if I'm going to go back again, I want it to be absolutely perfect. Right, yeah, yeah. So I'm probably going to take a year off next year, not uh-huh. stand-up, so I still do, still do stand-up, but not do Edinburgh properly. Like maybe yeah, go yeah. up for a week and do some spots and go sure. see some shows, because I think that's what I didn't do properly last year. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. go and appreciate enough of the free shows, which I really yeah, need to do. Yeah, you always end up not seeing enough. Um, but that's just like the nature of the festival. What mm. I would say is like there's no such thing as a perfect fringe, and no. you're never going to get that. Like, there's always, like, there's too many, like, moving parts. you just got to yeah. sort of... I think aiming small and simple is the way to get the most out of the fringe. Yeah. Right? Like, just keeping it simple. And I'm just like, just want to have good shows. Everything yeah. else is external. Yeah. Just trying to have a good show every day. That's the, that's the main thing. Do you reckon you're going to do it again next year? Yeah, I'll be up next year. Like, I'm definitely going next year. Um, like, because I've got a really great room and time that I can sort of keep if I keep okay. going every year. So that sort of uh, forced the issue for me. I was thinking about going once every two years. Yeah. But then I got this offer on this room, and if I just keep going every year, then I can have it. So that's opium, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and nice. it's such a sick room, and uh, I basically want to keep it. And also, like, I wanted to go this year, definitely. Like, I want to, I wanted the challenge of just writing an hour of stand-up yeah. this year. Because I've written an hour show in a year before, but it was like, it, it had like a 40-minute story in the middle yeah. of it. So like that made it loads easier. This year, I want to write an hour of bits in a year. My last show, uh, Too Big to Fail, that I've just put out on YouTube, that yes. took about uh, 18 months to two years to write. So this one, I want to try and do, I want to try and do a show better than Too Big to Fail, yeah. but quicker. That's my challenge this year. Okay, so how did you come up with the title, Too Big to Fail? Uh, it's just because I'm massive. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's literally that like I'm six foot seven yeah. and that phrase has been knocking around a lot and I wanted just a generic phrase because like the show's not really about anything there's no. not a theme it's just a load of stand up yeah so I just wanted the generic title that I could hang everything under and yeah too big to fail worked for me and like, I like having a bit of sort of braggadocio yeah. in my uh, titles I like having them be a bit. Uh, I, I really I find being just a little bit too arrogant really funny. Yeah. Like, I just find it hilarious. Like my old show was like I've had a show called Champion of Comedy uh, before, and then I had one called Popular Comedian Rob Mulholland, mm-hmm. and then yeah, too big to fail. So like, I need to come up with something similarly braggy for my next show. That's it. We'll do. We'll come up with that in the next. In the next this is it, mate. Any listeners want to message me on Twitter? <laughs> I've got any suggestions? Uh, yeah, like, uh, so yeah, it's literally that. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a nice title. I watched it. Well, I actually watched the show. I Thank you very much. Show. Good research, mate. Yeah. Actually, put yes. the effort in. Yeah, fuck yeah. And what I really loved from like from literally the beginning was how DIY it is. Yeah, you, man. I like, see a lot of these specials where like you'll get pictures of the audience that come. You get like videos of the audience that coming in and. It'll be like a massive stage, and then yeah, they have ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, yeah, blah, blah, blah. and then it's like music playing, lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This now, was like stripped back, and I loved it. This is it, man. Like, uh, there, there was there's t- a couple of factors to that. Like, I really like that style, and like, there's a lot of like, you know, uh, there's a lot of comedy mm. where I went to see uh, Billy Connolly's like last show uh, in the cinema the other day, and like, it was fucking brilliant. Um, but like, what ruined watching it for me was uh, like, it didn't ruin it; it just annoyed me. There was a lot of audience shots where they mm. cut to someone in the audience and they keep cutting back to the same person, you know, and sometimes they wouldn't look like that laughing loads. Mm. You just get this weird narrative running alongside mm. watching the great one of the greatest of all time. Mm. Like I wanna see what he's doing. Yeah. I don't wanna see what a prick in the audience is doing. No. And like I hate audience shots to be honest. Mm. They always cut away from yeah. what I wanna watch. So I just decided to have none of them. So it's just on me, the cameras. 
Um, and yeah, like none of that, like walking into the venue. I don't get why we need to see a comedian walking into the venue. We don't. In every fucking DVD, every single comedy show, mm. like 99% of them, you get a shot of the comedian walking in and like, I just, I don't care where he's walked from or no. she's walked from, yeah. you know, I don't give a shit. Um, so like, I just cut it out and, you know, I was trying to do it cheap and those things save time and money as well. Mm. And like uh, there were there were things I was more than happy to lose. So yeah, like I've had some nice comments about that. And like I just I, I thought with like you know having a limited budget, just focus on getting a few really nice shots yeah. rather than trying to stretch myself thin and make it look like I've got this massive production. Yeah. Just keep it simple and make it just look nice. But that's what I'm going for. What I liked about it is though there are a few mo- there are a few shots in the special mm-hmm. where you can see the back of an audience's, uh, audience's yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like that's exactly what every other comedy special is missing not to blow smoke up your ass or anything really but oh, please do okay <laughs> <laughs> but like that they just don't get it. i think that's the closest i've come to feeling like okay i'm actually in the audience that's it special. man like yeah just that basically i had um, one of the cameras was one guy like loose roaming and uh, he was just like walking through the audience basically just popping up and like you'd crouch down behind people to get those shots and yeah that's it like i wanted this special to feel like you're watching the show rather than watching like a special i wanted to get that feeling of because like the venue itself is like dark dingy metal bar and uh yeah i just wanted to get the feeling like you're in the audience rather than Mm. anything else and like i think that's worked really well i'm really pleased with it and like i've I've already like i've already worked out how where i'm gonna shoot my next one and i just was that man so yeah that's why i'm going to edinburgh next year is to work up the show for the special eventually i'm gonna film it in in manchester at my favorite gig oh sweet little place called the old monkeys i remember of a pub only seats about 50. It's just the best gig in the world. Like the the, it's got this regular audience who are like uh, mostly wrestling fans, and like wrestling fans are the best fans. But but the old monkey, where is? It's on Portland Street. What what's the night that runs? So it's called Trapdoor Comedy. Ah, I've heard of it. It's fucking brilliant, man. Like it's my mate Tony Basnet who runs it. I used to live with him above a pub um, when we both had serious drinking problems. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't everyone have? Doesn't almost every comic have some form of a drinking problem? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but uh, if you put two of them uh, above a pub it, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't go well uh, no. No, I mean, it went great but also very badly <laughs> but, um, which is why you stopped drinking yeah pretty much yeah, yeah. Like, there was a bit of a lag after that but that, that period of time definitely contributed to mm-hmm. it um, but yeah like uh, what was he even fucking talking oh yeah the old monkey um, yeah. it's just like it's just it's just got such a great vibe that gig and like it's always the most fun and like I, I play there quite a lot and like the audience will know me and we've got like a lot of in jokes like that gig, they want. I I got my first ever encore at the old nice. but there's a big but on this. Go for it. Uh, I was opening, and the reason they encored me was because the compare Tony, me mate, it told them that I had another gig to get to. Oh. So they encored me to make me late. Oh. <laughs> so basically, they're a bunch of arseholes. Exactly, exactly it. That's why we get on, and that's why I love that audience. Like they're proper sarky bastards, <laughs> but like they give the best reactions and stuff. So I think I'm gonna yeah next year do Edinburgh, yeah. do a little tour. And then right at the end of it, I'm going to bring it home with the old monkey, just in a tiny little room, and just film it in there. And like, so I want to get that energy on yeah. film next time. Like. So do you feel like, now that you've got the special out, Yeah. do you think that you can't do that material anymore? Uh, in club gigs, I'm still doing it. Cause I'm, like, in club gigs, I'm playing to audiences who've never seen me. Yeah. They've not seen the special. You know, like I'm just a random person on the bill yeah. in some little village. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to do a tour show of that anymore. No. Like, I feel like I feel like that'd be cheating people if they because if someone's going to pay to come see me, they've probably watched my special. Yeah. So I'm not going to do that hour again. I am going to do it one last time at Leicester, uh, but it's, you know it's billed as too big to fail. It's this show. Yeah. And that'll be in February. Um. So if you if you want to see the special live, that is the only chance to do it. It's the only time I'm going to do that show again. I do bits and pieces from it in my club set uh, club sets, but I'll be gradually phasing that out. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think if you come see me specifically, then I think it's unfair to do something like that. Yeah. special. Like, I'm not Peter Kerr, I'm not going to fuck people like that. <laughs> so next time we go on tour, um, it'll be a whole new show. Ah, oh, sweet. Yeah. Like, so you put the special out a couple of weeks ago, right? Uh, last week. Last week. Last week's not even been out a full week oh, yet. Yeah. Yeah, man. You picked the wrong weekend to put a oh, video out, didn't you? God, yeah. Didn't right. you? Because you probably thought you were going to have the biggest, most talked about video. <laughs> 
on the comedy yeah. circuit. Yeah, Jesus. And then Soul Survivors like hold my trench coat. I know, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. So yeah, like I released my special on the same day that a uh, a new comedian in the Midlands was outed as a potential uh, alleged. Alleged, yeah. Alleged, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like that will take some thunder off you. Luckily, right, the rest of the internet wasn't watching that. It was only like comedians. Yeah. So it did really well. Uh, you know, it did really well on the rest of the internet. But yeah, all of them amazing. I was I was watching that fucking video. I wasn't watching, watching my yeah. special, man. It was no. well exciting. Like, like it's horrible. Like yeah. I find those videos really grim and there's something really horrible about it. But like it, it's just like a fucking watching a car crash. Isn't it, it is. You can't, you can't watch it. Look away from it. It's horrible. Like it left me with a really discomforted like, feeling afterwards. I didn't. Because I've met the guy. Yeah. And yeah. I've gigged with that comedian in Edinburgh as well. Uh, the issue I've got with it is, no matter whether he's guilty or not, yeah, he's got a wife and kids, and that means their lives are going to be fucked. Yeah, yeah, this is it. Like, I don't like the whole, like, broadcasting it before there's any due process. No. I mean, to be honest, like, most of the time, these people who do these things, like, they're... they're I, I don't like what they do. I don't like the way they do it. But they usually are They're right. very meticulous. They usually are meticulous. I mean, they have made mistakes. And like what they've done awfully in the past, I think, is like targeting people with clear mental illnesses. Mm. That's fucking grim. There's clear, There's some people that have like ended up killing themselves when yeah. they clearly didn't understand what was happening. What's going on, yeah. I mean, the guy in this video, that, that doesn't apply to him. He mm. knows what he's doing. And, you know, if he if he is in the chats yeah. saying what is alleged in the video... What is alleged, yeah. Then, Jesus Christ. But what still, the fuck, yeah. But I still don't think that's the way to do it. It's not. Right. Like, collect, collect the evidence and take that to the police. Yeah. The, the live broadcast serves no function other than... Other to, like, it, it's this really weird, horrible mob. The mob that forms around them oh, is that was so, so... like It's horrible, just this, seeing this, like, baying mob. And uh, I, I don't think it's a way that, like, a modern, civilised society should conduct no. themselves. I mean, like, look, none of us like paedophilia, right? Like, obviously... Yeah. <laughs> obviously, being a pedo is bad. Yes. But I also think this, like, I, I also, I, I think it sort of ends up endangering kids more as well. Because what happens is, if it's so stigmatised and it's uh, such, a, in a way that is so public shaming, mm. rather than trying to get a result of, like, defending kids or rehabilitating an offender, like, you know, if, if, if there are people out there who have these urges, surely what we want is for them to seek help. Yeah, that's right. Rather than act on those urges, to seek help, be, you know, like, if therapists or whatever can do anything in order to suppress that, great. But I don't know, it's just sort of like, we have such an obviously understandable natural revulsion to, yeah. like, any sort of crimes of this way. It makes it really difficult to fix anything. Yeah, I, And I definitely don't think filming someone in a little car park no. and baying for their blood is a way of fixing anything. It's a way of soul survivors getting some views, that's all it yeah, is. That's uh, it. Like, you know, like they, they work up to that point, yeah. fair enough, you're doing a good thing, you know, but it's, it's soon but as you then, turn yeah, the camera on. The camera, yeah, so why do you need to turn the camera on? Why don't you just exactly. go to the police exactly. and just say... This is what this is what's happened. Well, ultimately, it comes down to money. Like they don't want to make money out of this, and they want it to be their full time living. And I get that, you know, like people who work in charities and whatever, you get paid so you can do it full time. Mm. And I can see that, you know, they want to make it a full time thing. And I think it genuinely comes from a good place. Yeah. But as soon as you start trying to make money off this, you're in such a moral mm. fuckery. Yeah. And like there are ways to make, you know, there are ways to fund a charity that aren't this I just think I think you might struggle to get charitable status maybe yeah, that's you it. know with this because it's it's not how we do things in the law well, but like but, yeah. the, but the problem is like no no one's really doing anything to fix this problem it's so big and so vast so you know I understand why they're doing it and I don't all you know 100% condemn them but I just I mean something a bit gross about yeah. it isn't it and also you've got to think that like 80,000 people now viewed 80 plus thousand people mm. viewed that video when it comes to due process, and I think the court date is in November, early November, right? When it comes to people actually discuss, people in the jury discussing the case, they're gonna have already, they're not, they're gonna have already seen this the video. It. It, it really, it really prejudices a fair trial, and like a fair trial is a really important thing. It's a really important concept in our whole legal system, and uh, yeah, <laughs> like I don't know how you can have one if like the all the half of the details have been broadcast all over the place. I mean, like, uh, I know there's been convictions scuppered in the past mm. because of these videos. Who knows? Who the fuck knows? Yeah, man. Like, it's proper weird. It's, it's not my first comedy paedophile as well. Like, uh, you know, they, they, they happen every few years. Like, uh, someone gets out with <laughs> some nonce. 
Like, there was a guy who had everyone on Facebook. Like, I'd never met him a couple of years ago. He was like, uh, he got out it's by the papers because he'd taken loads of pictures of him with like famous comedians with his arm around them. And then, really? then like, the sun or something got hold of it. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, and they were like, he was, he was a formally convicted paedophile who'd come into comedy like, once he'd been released. How do you think that's not coming out? Like, fuck's yeah, sake. Yeah. Like, yeah, don't do something self-public, mate. Like, no, just... I'd, like, if I was a convicted paedophile, I'd be whittling sticks on an island off Orkney. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I'd be like, I'd be away. I'd be away from where anyone would Exactly, like, you'd want to get away from everything so, that you to Thailand with the other paedophiles from Britain. <laughs> that Gary Glitter, join Gary Glitter. Exactly, yeah. Like, well, don't join him, we can't... No, yeah, don't join Yeah, yeah don't, don't team up. Yeah, like, no. <laughs> Form some sort of super group. Yeah, like the, event, the Avengers. Yeah, it's like the wings of nonsense. <laughs> He's like um, with fucking um, Gary Glitter as like the Nick Fury, as like the Nick Fury of it all. Yeah, totally. Oh my man, like that's it. Kind of is why the internet scares me so much because yeah. it is it's a great and powerful tool, but the mob mentality the mob mentality that can yeah. just form. Yeah, that, that that part of it is is unsettling with the internet and sort of the public shaming pylons and stuff like those are those always make me deeply uncomfortable. Mm. Whenever it's like share this so we can shame this scumbag mm. and whatever. Like uh, the John Ronson book about it, so he's been publicly shamed is fantastic. Because yeah. like you know again it's understandable urges, but I just don't think it does anything constructive. I mm. think it just damages uh, th- like society more than anything. Yeah. But you know the the internet's like uh, the internet's like it just means there's more of everything. Yeah, like right. there's more of the good stuff and there's more of the bad stuff. It's not one thing. Of course not. Like, there's, it's more, just, there's, there's more of everything. Yeah. But unfortunately, as a society, we get promoted the bad stuff and the negative and the things the negative. Yeah, yeah. Because that gets clicks. Like, yeah. Um, so that's it. It's like with using the internet, I think it's about curating it for your yeah. own to make for your own mental health. Mm. You know, like to just to keep yourself sane. Like you got to curate it in a way where. I stopped hate following people. Right? Yeah. I, I used to do that all the time. Like there was loads of people I would keep like on because I'd just be like Same. this prick. But like, I just like Kate Hopkins and yeah, like that, yeah. Well, various comedians for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like I just got rid of them all because like it's just not good for your psyche just opening your phone and be like ah oh, fucking not bad. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's just little things I've been trying to do to try and make the internet a nicer place. And it's really working, you know. Like, uh, the big one uh, that has really changed how the internet is for me is just not interacting with anything negative. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, my, that's my thing now, right? Like, especially, like, putting clips out of my specialist stuff, like, you know, the vast, vast majority of people are loving it because it's fucking brilliant. Yes, Getting it is. watched. Um, <laughs> but, like, obviously, you put anything on the internet, some people are going to have a go. And... Mm. Um, I just don't respond to any of the comments. I just I, I respond to the nice ones. Yeah. I interact with all those people and I just do not respond. I don't correct them if they're wrong. That's the hard one. Yeah. When people say things that are wrong. But what I found really interesting actually though with putting... Like, I put a clip out of one of my jokes the other day and uh, it's a little bit like on the edge but like solid joke. I'm really pleased with it. But... Um, yeah, most of the stuff's on the edge, but it never goes it. over the edge. That's where, I'm, that's where I like to be. I like being on that tightrope yeah. right there. Like, I'm not, like, you know, saying horrible things for fun of it. I'm always just sort of, like, doing that little dance, like, oh, yeah. is it going to be offensive? And it's... Yeah, it never is. But <laughs> um, the reaction to... So, like, I put out this joke, and, like, 99% of people, great reaction, lovely. Yeah. But of the 1% who were having a go, it was an even split between calling me too woke and calling me a racist... So it just shows that there's already everyone already has their own reaction yeah. pre-built on those people. Those people who are like angry and want to have a go at things, they already have their own reaction, and it doesn't matter what's put in front of them, they see it through that lens. So they're watching the same joke, these two people on opposite fringes, yes. and they're reacting in the exact opposite way, and it's just they're just angry, lonely people. Yeah. And like at the other end of the internet, who. You know, if someone comes up to me at a show and says they don't like my jokes, I couldn't give a fuck. So why would I when you're on the internet? Yeah. Like, so just yeah, I think I think not engaging it has been a real game changer because you know it's so tempting to like dunk on them, mm. and, like try and make them look dumb. But all you do is just you, you feed it and you empower it and it becomes more and more of a thing. Mm. And then you're in this just like battle. Yeah. And uh, so just interacting with the nice people means that those comments just drift away. Yeah. Bad ones and then. Yeah, you never see him again. It's great. Do you know what? I quite appreciate it if someone ever comes up to me and says, do you know what? I didn't like that joke because they're actually being honest. 
Yeah, I mean, I couldn't give a fuck. <laughs> uh, like, I don't care about their opinion, to be honest. Like, you know, the way you tell me you don't like a joke is yeah. by not laughing, right? Yeah. I get that. I see it. I hear it. Mm. Like, but if 99 other people are laughing, yeah. you're wrong. Exactly, Sorry. yeah. And like, to be honest, like, I can't be asked when people come up to me after the show. I was like, I just don't care about their opinion that much. I think it's really fucking arrogant of them to assume that I would give a shit about what they think. <laughs> but uh, quite a good way to, like, sometimes to deflect complaints. Because, like, I get complaints every now and again. People just not listening to what I'm saying properly. Yeah, that's, but, like, that's another problem. Yeah, yeah, they hear, they hear what they want to hear. But um, when people complain, I've done this a couple of times. It's, it's only when I'm in a particularly good mood that I can pull it off. Because otherwise I'm just like, Mm-hmm. But I've had it once where like a mum came up to me and she was just like, uh, I think that joke you did was really sex first. And like, so, <laughs> so I just went like, oh, you know what? You might be right. I'll think about that. Cheers. Thanks for the feedback. And yeah. like, I agreed with her and it really took the, it totally took the wind out of her. She came yeah. up ready for a fight. And I'm just like, oh yeah, I agree. And then she was like, oh, okay. Right. And then she left and then yeah. I didn't change the joke. <laughs> so like, she thinks she's won, but like, I can't, to be honest, I wish I was that fucking mature most of the mm. time to just do that, but most of the time it's time to fuck off. Oh, exactly. Well, none of us are that mature. Exactly. exactly. That's why we do what we fucking, that's why we do what we fucking Yeah, do. totally, man. Like, um, yeah, but you know, it's not that big a problem. This is the thing. People think that like complaints and that are so much of a big problem in modern comedy, but Nah, like I, th- I think that I think they're good to be honest with you. Yeah. I think the more people who complain about comedy, the better. It means we're doing something right, and it means exactly. comedy's like dangerous again. It's yeah. cool. It's like uh, thing that riles people's sensibilities, and that's great. That's mm. what comedy should be. Yeah. Like you know, sorry if you if you're upset by jokes, then good. Yeah, like, exactly. That means your life's going pretty well. If you're, you know, like if we're looking at like Maslow's pyramid of needs, I think, <laughs> I think jokes is pretty fucking high up it. Like you know, if you if you've got the time in your day to get upset by yeah. jokes, like you, your life's pretty good. Or just go back to watching live at the Apollo on a Friday night. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, keep that. it safe. Yeah, keep it censored. That's fine. You watch the you watch the watered down comedy on the BBC. That's cool. Mm. Don't watch my show. But it's fine. Yeah. When people are like, oh, I didn't like that. That's okay. Go watch fine. another comedian, especially online. Yeah. It's like you've got all the entertainment that we've ever created ever at your fingertips. Yeah. Why are you wasting your time like watching my stuff if you don't like it? Just exactly. turn it off. It's fine. There's a, there's a you know you can go anywhere you want on the internet. Just it's fine. But I think that happens more and more. You like find your own niche and you find yeah. your own people who like what you do. And yeah, that's what's happening to me at the moment, man. It's great. Like you just put stuff out there. And, you know, if it's good, people buy it, and uh, I like that. I like that about the internet a lot. Yeah. How long did it take you to find your to find your audience? I'm still doing it, man. I'm <laughs> doing it all the time. Like, um, you know, I've not got like a big fan base, I've not got a big following or whatever. But uh, the people, like, there are definitely a group of people now on the internet who just get what I do, mm. and like, they really enjoy it, and they share it with their friends who like it. And it's it's small, but it's growing. And I don't really care about the size of it, man. It's the, the the engagement with it is what I really like. Like a lot of people on the internet chase just like as many followers as yeah. possible, and like, I'm not doing that. I want to get if someone I want people to follow me who like what I do and get it. So rather than just like trying to expand and just get as big as I can, I want want to create a little group of people who just mm. get it. And like it just feels more, it just feels cooler like that. Yeah. It feels more fun. Right. Um, that's kind of similar to what me and the two other comics I did Edinburgh with mm. said like half, about halfway through the run we said we'd rather have like six people in the audience who get what we're doing and yeah. really love us than 50 people in the audience who don't give a shit totally man totally um, like that's definitely it like, especially like yeah, on the internet, like, you know, there's there's a lot of pricks on there. Like, you know, I'll just let people come to me a bit and, like, find me. And, uh, yeah, I think that works nowadays. I think that's good. Like, a lot of people, like, you can spend money, like, promoting your stuff out to yeah. people who might like you. And that's, you know, I don't know if that's really how I want to spend my money. Well. No, of course not. Like, I want people to find me. And, like, you know, we're, we're our own network now, comedians. This yeah. is a good thing. Like, we all share each other's stuff. We all, like, you know, we go on each other's podcasts. And, like, yeah. we just, uh, we sort of share follower bases almost now and it means that we get to a point where no one can tell us what to do there's no hierarchy there's no one in control we're uncancelable <laughs> and uh yeah it gives us all the power i absolutely love it i love being a comedian right now i yeah. think it is the best time there has ever been to be a comedian right now mm. and the people who are complaining about it they're either hacks or they're cowards yeah that's right <laughs> yeah like the fact that even louis ck is still killing it well, this is it, man. Like, you know, if Louis C.K. can still work, I think I'm going to be fine after telling yeah. one, one dodgy joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My behaviour in dressing rooms has been exemplary. <laughs> so, like, I'm, I'm cool on that front. 
This is it, man. Yeah, if we can't even cancel Louis C.K., then yeah. you know, like I think yeah, I think everyone else is gonna be fine. Everyone's too worried about cancel culture. It's not yeah. a thing. It doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist. People try and cancel it, and you might lose like one gig or whatever. But fucking like, if you if you lose a gig because like people complain about you, mm. that is the best PR you yeah, can get. I would love for more people to complain about me. Please try and get me kicked off shows. Like <laughs> tweet about me, blog about me. If you could report me for a hate crime, that'd be amazing. Like it's it's just publicity. I don't I don't see the issue. I don't see anyone who's had their career genuinely killed mm. by saying the wrong thing. I just don't see it happening. Well, I think Carlos Mencia was the last person to have. Yeah, that but he night. was he was nicking jokes. Yeah, that's, that's an right, entirely different yeah. thing. That's yeah. the comedy community going fuck off. Yeah. And a lot of people who watched him going, oh right, I thought he was real. Yeah. You know that that's more like that that's. Who's not even Mexican? <laughs> yeah, this is it, man. This is it. Like that that's that's sort of being a fraud and a phony. Yeah. Like that's entirely different thing. And like him, good, get the fuck out of comedy, piss off. But I'm sure he's still working somewhere. Yeah, he's you know, probably. I'm sure, doing I'm, sure he can st- I'm sure he can still fill a room. You know, he was like so a fifty seat or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he can still do that. But like, um, yeah, you know, that that's that's different to making a joke that someone complains about. You know? And then stealing someone else's shit. Yeah, steal, steal, like joke, th- you know, joke thieves are worse than pedos. I want to do some yeah. videos where I can confront <laughs> joke thieves. You'd be stealing jokes on the internet. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking. Have you? <laughs> I swear I wrote it myself. I'm not here to wait, yeah. We've just <laughs> <laughs> We just got this footage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so have you ever experienced joke free and yourself? Uh I don't really think so. Like I've had like you know, there's things that happen with like um like sort of parallel thinking. Like yeah. me and Eddie Brimson have a really similar joke, um, that it's weirdly similar that it's both basically the thrust of the joke is that uh we're both like ah I'm not gay, but you know, I used to not like olives, and now yeah. I do. Like, <laughs> and like that, that, like it's such a weirdly specific uh, thing to choose. Where like we were both like, so we both like. Ed, I think Eddie saw me do it and was like, "Fucking hell, I've basically got that yeah. exact joke." And I've had other people message me like, "There's this guy doing your joke," and I was like, yeah. "Is it Eddie Brimson?" And they're like, "Yeah, it's <laughs> And like Eddie's one of the best mates. I love Eddie. He's a fucking great guy. I lived with him at Edinburgh. Like, I absolutely love him. Uh, but yeah, you know, that sort of happens, but. Mm. I don't know. I've never had it happen directly. I don't think. I think my bits are quite long and like yeah. require a lot of shouting in a specific way, and they're relatively hard to nick. Um, but like, I've seen it happen, and I've definitely seen like open micers like just straight up lift it. Oh, it's it just... doesn't. It doesn't really happen on the circuit though, because everyone knows that it's not going to fly. Yeah. You know, amongst professional comedians, I don't think I've seen it to be honest no. with you. Um, I mean, I've seen. Well, to be fair, I've seen like people using really hack lines a lot and like lines that have been around forever and every year in Dave's joke of the frames there's at least one joke where I'm like that's been around for fucking <laughs> donkey's years <laughs> but whether that's you know someone being a joke thief or just being a bit of a lazy writer mm. is you know that's it but you know if you're being that lazy then so you should tell anyway but you know what's going to happen now is I say this <laughs> someone's going to go through my special find one line that's been someone said in 1960 <laughs> and I'm going to look a right fraud <laughs> it's mental like I was at a I, was, I did a competition a few weeks ago mm. and, oh no, I was watching a competition a few weeks ago and one of the one of the comedians did up, went up and did a joke that I heard in a in my year in a year seven maths class in yeah, two thousand and two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, but that like <laughs> uh, jokes that used to be on Wikipedia, you get those a lot. I actually like on Reddit when I posted up that clip the other day, I had someone uh, someone posted like um like this uh, like this uh this isn't an original joke. I saw a French speaking comedian do this exact joke three years ago, and I'm like. Good, good, yeah. you know, well done. I don't watch a lot of French comedy, you know? so it was literally in the French language as well. And yeah. like, there's someone, still someone on the internet going, I think he's nicked this. It's like, chill out. Yeah, you'd have to like go to Google Translate. Yeah, I don't all... speak French. Right. <laughs> That's the first issue. Exactly. But you know, chapeau to that guy. Well done. You really I have a joke. Chapeau, uh, it, it means hat, but it means like hats off. Hats it's, like, off. it's like a French thing for hats off. I'm going to use that. I'm going to yeah. use that. I only, I, only, I only know that from football. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, so it's funny. Like people are always looking for it, and that's the thing. You can't do it now. If you want to put stuff out on the internet, someone's gonna fucking find out. Yeah. If you're robbing stuff, like you know, I definitely have stuff where me and mates will have similar bits or bits on a similar topic. Yeah. Because you know, there's 
Like minded thinking, isn't it? There's that many comedians, we're all fishing in the same pond. You know, eventually you're both gonna like me and Dan Muggleton both have a joke about English people being ugly. Um, they're both different jokes, but it's weird that we both same around the same, same time. premises, right? Same, same pre- the premise is British people are ugly, but you know, British people are ugly, so you know, we just both noticed it. That's true, but you know, that stuff happens all the time. But actual out and out joke theft, I think it's very rare mm. and uh, good because, like, you know, it's just, if, you, if, you, if you're doing that, you're not a comedian, fuck off. That's right, you're just he's someone who can't think yeah yeah totally like and don't get me wrong I've, I've said jokes that mates have given me you know yeah. mates have been like oh here's a line for this and whatever and that's course, great yeah. but um yeah but then that's not stealing a joke though that's yeah, yeah. literally a group of people getting together more exactly. getting together and saying okay this is potentially how i can make it better yeah yeah, yeah totally yeah, yeah. And, like, I, I think the, the the joy of creating stuff is well i enjoy in comedy i really yeah. like that i really like making things and uh yes yeah, so i don't see the appeal but I think there's a lot like there's a lot of people who are very desperate to be comedians who don't mm. quite have the talent for it, so therefore therefore, you know, what do you do in that case? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Just do something. They want the get a different job. Get a yeah. different job. Like it's not for everyone. Like or maybe like get well, get a job for the BBC right, for the BBC where they actually do steal jokes. Yeah, 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 totally, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there are definitely some famous examples of people who are like, You've got to know that that joke's nicked. Yeah. <laughs> So what's it like living in Hove compared to Uh it's alright. It's you know, like uh like my flat's nice, I live right near the sea, that's their cool. But uh it's for the for travelling it's way too far. For like travelling to geeks it's a nightmare. Yeah. Um so I think we're gonna move back to the north. Are you? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When when sometime in the new year, I'm gonna oh, move right. back to Manchester. Um it's just, just for convenience really and it's so expensive down mm, here, like it's yeah. crazy and the tap water is dog shit. Yeah. But in summer it was really nice. I was swimming in the sea most days, like that was lovely. Um, you know, like first world problems like yeah. you know like you know like whilst i've like groused about living here just because the amount of travel i'm doing it's mm-hmm. still nice yeah but uh yeah i just think i prefer manchester to be a comedian in it's it's a better place to be a comedian like there's there's 17 million people i think it is within an hour's drive of manchester city center yeah because you've got liverpool 50 minutes away you've got leeds an hour away it's only an hour and a half to like nottingham and derby and birmingham mm-hmm. so you've just got a lot of places you can get to yeah. to gig and uh, here, everywhere is two and a half hours away. Yeah, every even to London, it's it, an hour and forty. It's two hours. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like it's um, you know, it's three and a half hours from Manchester to London, so it's not that much of a no. difference. Who gives a shit? But um, yeah, so just for convenience sake, there's a lot. You know, there's gigs every night in Manchester as well. Hopefully, I can start running my old gig that I used to run when I was up there again. Hopefully, I can get back on that. You know, just all the mates are there as well. Like all the mates I started comedy mm. with and stuff are all in Manchester, so it'd be nice to be back there. But uh, you know, it, it's not been horrible here. It's been yeah. really good for me to get out of my comfort zone for a year, I think, and uh, it means I've been gigging around the south a lot more, which is good. Like, so I don't, I don't want to be like isolated in the north. No. But uh, yeah, so go down bad. It means I work at the comedian, so you know, great. Mm. So how have you found like the difference between audiences up north to down south? I don't really find a difference, you know. Good answer, man. That's yeah, a, yeah, like, I, I don't know, like, I, I think people are people, and, like, comedy is pretty universal, and we all laugh around the same thing. So when I go to Edinburgh, I play to people from all around the world. Yeah. You know, like, when I put stuff on the internet, there's people from all around the world watching it, and they're all getting it. Like, you, you get different... Every audience is individual. It doesn't really matter where they are as much. You get a, fl- a flavour of the town, but, like, north and south is too vague to have that much of a difference yeah like, i do know it's like the northeast is my favorite place to gig really yeah the northeast around like the little like uh knackered old rundown towns are full of brilliant people like darlington and hartlepool and yeah. sunderland and all those sort of places just proper salt of the earth brilliant people who want to fucking laugh yeah but there are places like that down south you know and there are there are places that are full of pricks down here you know it's Mainly in the bigger cities. Yeah, but like you know, it's yeah, I don't, I think it's a bit vague, and every group of people's a bit different. And, yeah. You know, I don't think you can draw a line that firmly. But yeah, mostly people laugh at the same stuff. My issue with London, because that's where obviously mm-hmm. I've started, like people come to open mic gigs or lower or lower level comedy gigs expecting like the Apollo level shit. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That's yeah. just not what you're gonna get oh yeah totally that is not the open mic experience uh but like you know there's a lot of open mics in london that are marketed as that 
They're like, come see top acts from the circuit. Oh, yes, yeah. Jesus. Eight and... Bobby Open spots doing the James, James Acaster impression. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, like, I think London audience, like, London is one of my least favourite places to gig in general. Like, it depends what you get, though. If you get a, a gig like Top Secret or yeah. The Store, amazing, where people are really going for it. But you can get, like, gigs in London where I was like, eh, impress me. Yeah, and like the the energy's not the same, and everyone's just tired and unhappy because they live in such a fucking miserable city. Yeah. <laughs> like, is it everyone? Like, no one's happy in London, no, are they? Like, you never see someone walking Unless down the street, with, the street with a smile on their face. Yeah. Everyone Unless they're not from London. Yeah, 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 but even then, like when you get in London, you get stressed and miserable. Like, I don't know, I just. I feel like you miss a bit of joy in that city and like I lived there for ages you know yeah. like this isn't like a typical bloody London northern yeah. thing I lived in London for four years and it, it made me unhappy and I think there's a lot of people pretending that they're happy in London because they think it's the cool place to be yeah but as soon as you leave London you realize that every other city has better nightlife like every other city in the country has better nightlife than London and it's easy to get to and you can get home from it easily without being on a bus for two fucking That's hours right, yeah. And you can just go places and do things and you can afford them. And like London just, yeah, it's a hardware life. So like audiences are naturally miserable because they've made shitty life choices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I was in, I wasn't gigging. I was actually out there for, I was up there for last weekend. Yeah. I was in Liverpool and it was beautiful. Yeah, well, Liverpool's a cracking city, man. Like, it's a great town. And like Manchester, like any night of the week in Manchester, mm. you can walk into a bar and be there till five, six in the yeah. morning. Every funny, day of the week. You can't do that in London, can you? Funny you say that. I'm in Manchester. I'm gigging in Manchester next week Sunday, and nice. then on the twenty on Wednesday twenty third as well. Ah, oh, cool man. Which gigs you doing? Manchester? I'm doing Giggle Gang on Sunday the twentieth. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, it's Matty Matt Shaw. Yeah, yeah. Dan Baines does stuff with that as well. I think. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Good lads. Yeah. And um, on the twenty third, I'm doing Comedy Balloon with Jason Cook. Same man. The Balloon is a Manchester institution. I know, and I love it. It's, I, it's quality, man. Um, yeah, like it's uh, like it, it's just like the classic Manchester open mic. Yeah. Like, you never know what you're gonna get, and everyone's done the fucking balloon. Everyone, yeah. and it's been going for absolutely forever. And Jason's just seems like such a lovely guy. Yeah. Like, are you up there? Are you staying up there for a few days then? Um, I'm gonna try and stay up there Sunday night. Come back down. I've got a gig in Reading on right. the Tuesday, then go back up on the Wednesday. Ah, right. Well, if you stay up on the Monday, it might be able to, uh, Wormhole Comedy is on a Monday, and they have an open mic. Um, so that's if you if you're in town on the Monday, yeah. Like hit me up for the details. I'll let you know where it is. Okay. Like, that's the gig that I used to run. It used to be called Sharp when I was running it and hosting it. It's called Wormhole now at the uh, Holdfast. It's great, a really great little gig. Um. So yeah, hopefully I can get back to hosting that next year. Well, what I'm gonna try, well, what I want to try and do is I want to get. That um that hotel that um that hotel deal that um the easy hotel. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm gonna try and see if I can get Matty to email me the flyer like the next couple of days so I can email them saying yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. please give me a, please give me a run <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah but that gig that I want like right around the corner from my old flat yeah all right yeah and, and I'm getting on the podcast I'm getting on that podcast ah nice one man yeah yeah so I wanna say like. How have you? So what have you? What did you learn from this year's Edinburgh that you're going to take into next year's one? Uh, I did Edinburgh like quite differently this year, and like, I really enjoyed it. Like I wasn't in the main brochure. Now that, that and that that sort of means quite a few things. It means that um, it means that the press didn't really come, which is yeah. great. Like, so I don't care about their opinion. Like I wish I had done that. <laughs> yeah, that was nice. Um, but like. It just sort of it sort of just takes you out of the main bit of the fringe and just makes you your own little. I was like my own little cottage industry separate to it, so I enjoyed that. I, was, mm. I think I might register my main show in the brochure next year because I I heard some people had trouble finding my show because mm. of that. So I think for that, but uh, the main thing I learned was yeah, just uh, it was more a vindication of what I had already thought because like, I'd done enough Edinburghs in the past to have this idea of how I wanted to do it in the future. Basically, just remove all the bits of Edinburgh that are shitty. Like, it means that like, I wasn't eligible for any awards. I was never going to win any awards anyway. I don't have a bit where I cry about my dead mum. No. Of it. <laughs> but, um, but it just removes that completely. And it, it's, it's just nice being out of that. Like, mm. I think, you know, unfortunately, I think I'll have to register it next year. But um, just keeping that DIY spirit yeah. and really just all I was focusing on was getting people into my room and doing a good show mm. for them and I was doing that pretty much every day 
and yeah, I just want to do that again. And like next year, I think I'm going to do a live version of my podcast. Um, so Rob Holland has an opinion. Nice. So I'll have guests on. We'll get suggestions from the audience. Might have a chat, do an opinion about that. So I think I'll do a live one of those. I think I might do a compilation show as well. But like, because this year as well, I was doing Hell to Play, which is a game show set in hell hosted by the devil. Which nice. We're filming soon in London, actually, at the Crystal Maze. Oh shit. Yeah, it's in like, at the Crystal Maze. At right? the Crystal Maze, in like the bar there, like we're uh, we're getting that set up to film the show there, and it was really good fun. But it was just really, it was hard work this year. Like it's a great show. It was just a uh, hard work getting people in. We're quite a big room, and it was just Where a lot of it? it. So it was at the Liquid Rooms. It wasn't okay. in the warehouse, like the huge, huge one. But it's just a little bit of an awkward venue. Um, like really great room, great staff and everything. But that was a lot of work and I think just I want to strip it back to just doing stand-up yeah. next year so I want to host the show so I've got like a late night fuck around where mm. I can just bring up mates and piss around do my main show and yes do a podcast in the day because I need to be busy that that was a thing I really learned at Edinburgh like the busier I am at Edinburgh the happier I am because yeah. when I'm only doing like one or two shows a day that I get bored and I get miserable and I miss home like when I'm doing like six shows a day, I'm so busy, I've got no time yeah. for that to set in and I'm just enjoying myself and I'm seeing people all the time. So I just wanna yeah, like next year I'll go back to like a couple of years ago I did hundred and thirty three shows. In really? Like, yeah, yeah. Fuck. It's yeah. like I, I wanna get to that sort of level again. Because it just it's great. It just means you're bouncing around town constantly seeing people doing things and just like, yeah, that's what I love. I love that energy. Mm. So so, yeah. so you did a compilation you did the compilation show. So how much if you know I'm going to finance, this is something that I, if I do end of next year, potentially thinking about doing. Mm. How much did the compilation show cost? I didn't do, I didn't do it this year. I'm planning on doing it this year. Um, like I don't think it'll cost me much to do. Is the thing. So I'm not sure I'll even register that in the brochure because I'm with PBH's Free Fringe, so I don't have to register in the main brochure. So that saves me three hundred quid on that. I'll just spend money on flyers. Um, pretty much and that's it and like you know I'll chuck some bucket money to the acts that are on and just mm. let it out like you know it wouldn't be really that much of a money making exercise I might make a few quid out of it but mate, I just want to I just want to enjoy myself and then yeah. the rest follows like um, it just yeah that's all I spent money on this year I spent loads of money on flyers I was spending about 80 quid a day on flyers but they were good flyers but they were great yeah like I really got a good team together after the fit like after the first few days I've sort of filtered it down a bit and got mm. some really cracking people and it was a great investment because it just means that just the room was full so I was making more money and I was just pumping that back into flyering yeah. and just keeping it going like that so and yeah I think it also helped that you you weren't you weren't always the one handing out the flyers, so someone else is handing up. Yeah, yeah. So well, like, I had I had like six people on most days, and like you know, a group of people. It meant that like people were getting them constantly from all over the place. And mm. I think like if you keep seeing the same thing, you're like I don't know, like people just think scale is good. Like yeah. like you know that's why they think the shows with the big posters are good, even though all it means is someone's got rich parents in order yeah. to pay for them. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> which is the case with some for a few well loads of them most yeah, of them most um, of them yeah Not but you know like that sort of stuff does work but um flyering really works it's a really direct way and i think if you've got a free show it's not full you've not got enough flyers yeah right? you need to keep adding flyers until it's full because it just pays for itself and uh yeah it really did this year and i was having full rooms and a lot of people saw me although like what's what's funny with it is within three days of putting my show on youtube more people had watched that than mm. had seen me at the whole edinburgh festival yeah you know, like the scale of it's mad. And well, because the YouTube algorithm's fucked up anyway, so you know there's gonna be a double the amount that actually, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. double the amount that's actually listed. Yeah. And actually saw the fucking, and actually saw the thing. Yeah, this is it, man. So, um, yeah, like every, everything's in service of that now, though. Like, this is the thing, like, Edinburgh for a while became the end goal. Edinburgh's been yeah. through weird phases where in like the 90s and earlier, it used to be that you'd go to Edinburgh with a half finished show, yeah. you'd workshop it essentially for a month. Then you'd go on tour with the finished product yeah. then. Then it became for a while, you went to Edinburgh with a finished show that you previewed all the year, tried to win awards and stuff, whatever, and then maybe toured it afterwards. And like that people are still doing that model, but I just mm. think it's done. I think it's yeah. over. So like what I, I'm sort of going back to the older version where I'm not sure my show will be a hundred percent when it goes to Edinburgh, you know, I'll have I'll have a show, but I'll work it around for that month and have fun with it, not have too much pressure on it. And then afterwards, I'll tour it and film it, and it's all in service of getting that special made. Well, pers- well, personally, that's what I think. What the fringe is for. It's what it like, should be for. It's yeah. what it was for. But um, yeah, it got changed for a while, and 
a lot of people chasing different things. But yeah, I think it just should be about experimenting and creating things. And unfortunately, like when money gets involved, yeah, that's when all the a lot of the creativity gets stifled. Yeah, yeah. but like what what's um what's cool now is like that creativity gets rewarded on the mm. internet. People like specific niche, interesting things. Mm. They like things with a singular voice. Things yeah. that uh, feel authentic. And like you know, it's not like my comedy is like the most uh, like you know. If, if you've seen stand up before, you'll get what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, I'm not doing anything abstract, but I'm trying to have a unique perspective, my own unique voice, and that's what people respond to on the internet. So that creativity is rewarded again because we're not all trying to impress the same five TV producers, no. the same five fucking middle class critics. Yeah. Like, and that's what everyone was doing for a while, trying to tailor shows to their taste. And uh, we don't have to do that anymore. Like, you can do that, and great. If that's what you make, fucking brilliant. You know, you do you, and I hope it's successful, because mm. there's, en- there's enough audience for everyone now. It's a golden age of comedy. We're living in a boom time. Mm. It's fucking great. Well, I think TV's a dying medium now, to be honest. Always. Massively. Massively. Massively dying. Like, no one under 40 watches telly. Like, no. Like, I don't even have a, like, a proper telly connection. Like, we just have the internet. Like, like Netflix, whatever. Exactly, right? just like Netflix and iPlayer and Amazon Prime. Like, I... It's it's over as a thing. Like all it is now is like they're essentially like big streaming platforms, like the TV channels. Yeah. And look, look, don't get me wrong. If someone offers me a gig on telly, I'm fucking taking it. It's good yeah. money and good exposure. But like that is all in service of my online. You know, like that would mean that if I go on one of those programs, I will get more followers, which is useful for me in the long term. Yeah. Going on one of these programs. Right. Like you know, look, I would love to go on live the Apollo. I used to watch it when I was younger. You know, it would be a dream. All that, yada yada. But like as a career changer, I'd much rather have a viral video. A yeah. viral video will do you so much more good. Because no one fucking watches these programs. No one watches panel not, shows. Not watching them live anyway. They'll watch them on iPlayer. They'll watch a clip of it on YouTube. Yeah. You know, everyone just watches YouTube. Like, um, and yeah, like iPlayer maybe, but like the viewing figures are not great. And like, no. I've, I've had, you know, I've got loads of mates who've done live at the Apollo and been like, it's not really changed my ticket sales or anything. No. Like, um, but it's it's cool. Don't get me wrong. It's cool to say you. Uh, well, I'm guessing it's cool to say you've done it. Yeah, 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 man. Like, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, fucking big up everyone who gets it. Like, mm-hmm. and there's some people on this year who are dead pleased they've got it. Like, it's really nice. But um, it's just not like a kingmaker. No. Like, you know, it used to be like Tom Stage went on like the Apollo, did Meat Van, and became huge. Yeah. You know, and like. That's not happening anymore. No. You know, you're not going to sell a tour out off the back of one like the Apollo. No. Um, or Mock the Week or whatever. You know, like, th- these things are nice things to do now rather than career makers. Yeah. I think you, you can make a career that way, don't worry. Some people definitely do. But if you don't fit the bill for that and TV producers aren't picking you, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter anymore. I think you've kind of got to have had enough success before that mm. and then have that as an extra thing to push you over. Yeah, maybe. Like, I, I think what happens sometimes as well is, like, nowadays, like, what they, it's weird what they look for on panel shows and stuff. So, basically, they, like, the producers go to Edinburgh, see a show that makes them cry, and then <laughs> and then they go, we'll put this person on a panel show where they need yeah. to do quick jokes, right, where someone's just been sad for an hour. Mm. So they put them on these panel shows, and they don't do that well, or even if you do do quite well... You've mm. got to have enough shit that when someone sees you on something and then they come to see you, you've got something to back it up. Yeah. Like, but there are, there are people who, you know, I don't want to be bitchy about other comedians because like, most other comedians are fucking brilliant. Yeah. Oh, shit. But I do, I do, um, I do sometimes see people on TV who I wouldn't trust to do a Club 20. And no. it's, it's, it's baffling, but also, like, you know, more power to them. However, they can make their own career cool. But, uh, you know, I've just found my way to do mine. And like there, there are just more options now of how you can run your careers, and the internet leads to freedom because like if you're purely internet based, you're your own boss and you control everything. There's no one to complain to. There's no one to fire. Like I can't get fired off anything. No. If you if you've got like a BBC show, you can get fired. You're in trouble. Mm. Like uh, there's you know I'm my own HR department. Exactly. There's no one to complain <laughs> to. <laughs> That's you. That you are. They can complain to you. But this is it, yeah. If you what? want to complain about my comedy, you've got to come to me, and I'm sorry to tell you, you're not going to give a shit. Give a shit yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's the bit. I think a lot more people are starting to wake up to that now. They are, man. And you know what's interesting? It's mainly working class comedians. That's what yeah. I noticed. Like the ones who are really like using YouTube hard and like using these free avenues, the ones who are doing really well. It's often like it's mostly working class comics who are doing it. Paul Smith is obviously our Vanguard. He was oh, our yeah. 
you know, Paul Smith got into stadiums without ever leaving Liverpool, you yeah. know, and just through Facebook videos. And when was the last time being on Live at the Apollo did that to anyone? True. You know, and Paul's our standard bearer. You know, and Adam like, Rowe as well. Adam Rowe's killing it. Kay Kurd. Yeah, uh, Baptiste is making moves online. Like, the, the, there's loads of people who can listen. Fumbio Mateo's about to drop a special online as well. That'd be great. That's going to come on YouTube. And uh, there's a real wave of comics just getting that, oh, we've got this tool that we can directly put things out now. Yeah. And yeah, like, uh, it's about investing in yourself nowadays and building your own thing, you know, like, and not chasing an easy profit like i could have sold this special to someone like i could have got someone else to film it uh, i could have put it on a streaming platform maybe banked 500 quid and moved on with my life but then no one would have seen it and it wouldn't have done me any good in the long term yeah, i'd rather spend that stuff. money now and invest in myself and invest in making sure people can watch my stuff yeah. that's the point like you know I, I don't make good financial decisions but i make no. i make ones that i care about artistically creatively and trust that eventually that will lead to financial rewards like to be fair like i've set it up so you can um you can pay what you want for my show online and people have been doing you know yeah like i'm not look i don't know if i'll ever make back what i spent on the special but it's just nice that like you know people have been like you know what i enjoyed that so much i'm going to send them 20 quid like that's cool i really like that and uh, it means it's egalitarian it means everyone can have it and if your skin, like, don't pay me anything, yeah. like, that's great, like, just watch it, show it remakes. You know, like, if, you're, if you've got a few quid knocking them out and you've enjoyed it, sling me some. I like that, I like that, uh, I like that interaction. Because I, I, I call it paying for it as well, rather than donating. It makes me feel a bit cringe when people, yeah. like, donate. Does it make sound a bit like a charity case? Yeah, exactly, like, you're not, not a charity. It's like, no, I've given you something, you can choose to pay for it. Like, yeah. That's literally it, yeah. That's it, it's, 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 it's an honest transaction. It's a bit like... Tipping a waiter, isn't it? Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, just uh, I just say it's voluntary payment for the show. Like, you know, you've, I've entertained you. If you want to pay for it, you can. Mm. So, where do you think, like, after this, after everything that you've gone through, after everything, where do you think the comedy industry is going? In a positive way? Massively positive, man. I think, uh, the, like, the lunatics are taking over the asylum. Comedians are going to get more and more in charge. And what we end up with now is, like, we're heading towards, like, this utopia for comedians where basically what happens now is we all make our own little network. So, like, I have my social media and YouTube and podcast and all that sort of thing. That's my own little network. And we all sort of connect our networks. Uh, we all go on each other's podcasts and, you know, promote each other's stuff. We share each other's videos. And then we become our own BBC. Like, we don't need Netflix. We don't need these companies in between us. We become our own network. It's non-hierarchical. We're all even and we all share each other's stuff. It means that we can't be fired. We can't be cancelled. And it means we're totally free because there's no one to tell us what to do apart from us. So what I'm saying to anyone listening to this, uh, share your favourite comedian's content, right? If, if they're creating stuff, they're putting out videos, just share it, spread it around. Tell people about it. Cause it that, we have this people power now where I'm such an evangelist for it. So I just mm. think it's, you know, it's, it's just great. Like some people are annoyed by comedy again, which is great, gives us some energy. And yeah, I'm so positive about the future of comedy. Yeah. I think it's awesome. And we've got, what's exciting is because these barriers to entry are crashing down, we get, we're seeing more like genuinely diverse voices. We're seeing some really interesting points of view. People are doing recreative things because they're freed from constraints. Um, I still think if you want to be a comedian, go work in the clubs, go grind it out, go learn how to be a comedian. Yeah. I still think that's the most fundamentally important yeah. thing. Like if you, if you want to be a stand up, that's the only way to do it. Yeah. You need you, to do the open mic. So you've got to grind. You've got to grind. You've got to learn how to do comedy, and that takes a fucking decade of yeah. hundreds of gigs. Like you know, do if you want to be a comedian, do 250, 300 gigs a year for ten years, then you'll be a comedian maybe. Yeah, exactly. But if you want to make just funny shit, like, you, you know, Mark Gilligan started with just, like, filming videos on his phone. You can do that now. Yeah. And that's cool. You can find your own path. Um, so, yeah, like, I think it's a genuinely brilliant boom time for comedy. There's comedy clubs opening up all around the country. Yeah. You know, the only gigs that are shutting down are all the ones that were filled with hacks from the 90s doing mm. the same jokes for 20 years. <laughs> and I don't think that's any loss to comedy. Like, no. the only people who complain that comedy's dying are people that haven't added anything to comedy for years so the reason it's dying they've not fed it they've not nourished it they've not taken any fucking effort in what they're doing they've just coasted stealing a living for 25 years mm. and now suddenly they can't get away with being lazy anymore and they yeah. complain about that and uh, you know 
I'm glad they they're not working. Yeah. <laughs> ain't that ain't that ain't that something? In order to keep something fresh, you actually have to put work in to do it. Yeah. But that's what I think a lot of the old guard. Of, I think that, like you said, it, I don't think. Of I think yeah. I, I think there's that like there is a danger with these sort of discussions that sometimes it becomes sort of frame this old versus young, and it's yeah, really it's really not. not. It's not. It's not, and it's not about comedians who've been around for a long time or new ones because there's plenty of like lazy hacks who have started recently. Oh fuck yeah! And there's plenty of like really inventive, creative, hardworking people who've been around forever. It's an attitude thing between the lazy hacks and the people who care about comedy and love yeah. it. Like, for example, like, um, Gav Webster, he's been around yeah. donkey's years, but he does, like, a great podcast called Comedy Results, and he puts videos out, and he's constantly writing new stuff, uh, you know, like, the, like, you know, Mick Ferry's an old cunt, but he's constantly pumping out new yeah. shit, you know, yeah. he's, he's always got new stuff, he's always working on his craft, like, there's loads of comedians I could name who've been around for donkeys who are... Still an example, an examples people of how you should be a comedian. Just anyone who cares and puts the effort in and loves what they do and it comes across and those are the ones that are good and those are the ones that grab you. And you, you can just you can just tell when someone gives a shit about what they're doing. Mm. And like, yeah, those are the people that I look up to. Oh, that, that's cool, man. Yeah. So Dad's army. Yeah, <laughs> man. Oh yeah. Right. This is <laughs> I love this show. Yeah, me too, man. Like, that I grew up on like uh, all the old sitcoms. Like, yeah. It's a thing. Uh, one of the many things I'm forever thankful to my mum for. She like loved old sitcoms, and so I watched all of them. Like, mm. I, even what, like she she really liked some quite shit sitcoms as well. But I've watched like, <laughs> hundreds of episodes of Hello Hello when I even served. Know. And, uh, I quite like that. Some wine. I mean, yeah, I mean, served has its moments, but it is very much. They've got two jokes. One of them that is John. John Newman is gay. That's yeah. one joke and the other one is pussy is another name for a cat and yeah. sort of vagina yeah that's it that's your joke and the French police yeah yeah, yeah. well that, that yeah that's a low, that low with the, the Madonna with the four babies yeah. and good all moaning yeah, yeah, yeah so like that's very corny and all that but like Dad's Army is one of those where you know it is a bit catchphrasy at times and everyone's a very like caricature-y uh, like character but there are some genuinely brilliant performances in it and really wonderful comedy in it and like it, it's really lovely the writing is gorgeous and i think the setting is lovely i think you know it's a quintessentially british thing to do something about the war but make it so parochial and shit yeah just a bit like run down and knackered and naff in that really like english way where it's just a bit crap but and like <laughs> that, that that's great and uh yeah it's just it, it just the elements of like the relationships in it are lovely and you know like don't tell him pike is a perfect yeah. joke like it's love it it's it, that, that three words is just perfection yeah like that's just a gang bang what is your name what what is your name don't tell him <laughs> it's just perfect it's just uh you know it's right there and th- there's a lot of moments in it like that and i think it's genuinely great like i just remember like laughing so hard when i was a kid watching it like there's one episode, it's like my favourite episode, where um, someone writes something obscene on mm-hmm. a piano, right? And and the whole episode is I'm trying to get to the bottom of who's who done it. it. Yeah. And so it's like this really simple episode where they're all constrained in this one environment. And it's like the, the air raid warden is, you know, running, and the vicar are running the, <laughs> um, Captain Mannering, obviously, they're all running the investigation. And one by one, they bring people in. And you obviously, you never see or hear what's written on the piano. All yeah. you see is people's reactions to it. And that made me laugh so hard. And like, I think that there is a lesson in comedy there that sometimes not showing the whole picture makes it mm. funnier. Just yeah. leaving a little bit um, for the for the viewers or the audience to just fill in that blank yeah. makes it so much funnier. There is no phrase they could have shown me written on that piano that was funnier than me having to work out what it was in my head and seeing Pike like panic when he sees it. Yeah. Um, yeah, like yeah, I think it's genuinely lovely that time. I think there's like just something really. Uh, it just makes you feel cosy and banger of a theme tune. Yeah. Banger that slaps. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you're fucking I think you're fucking right about literally all those things. Um, yeah. I can't see anything wrong with it. It's one of those weird yeah. things. I just genuinely it, think that like everything that they or the writing's perfect, and. It's kind of relevant in today's society. Yeah, as well. yeah, like well, there's there's a load to it that is just it, it's just about uh, like it's a really human 
sitcom. It's about these guys are being thrust together trying to make the best of a thing. Yeah. Uh, like in a difficult situation. And that that's all sitcoms, you yeah. know, isn't it? A lot of it. And it's really classic like that. But I think yeah, there's um but so like there, there is just something genuinely it's just really good. And yeah, like, it hasn't it hasn't dated as badly as a lot of other sitcoms. Like, what, you mean like Love Thy Neighbor and those kind of. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Jesus doesn't quite have those dodginess. I mean, there the, were you know like that era of sitcom. Like, obviously, I've got a porridge box out over there. Yeah, that porridge. You know, we'll probably discuss that at some point. I've but, got a porridge. I've got the yeah. porridge box at home as really? well. Yeah, but um, but yeah, Dad's Army is one that I think really stands up. I think it's um, it's it's just got some yeah some lovely moments and uh, you know it is corny and it is but it's for the like it was it's aimed at the family you yeah know, everyone's meant to be able to watch it and they can it, it, it was a tea time it was a proper tea time sitcom exactly yeah, that's I really, tea time sitcom exactly that's it and like I have really great memories of me and my family just sitting around laughing at these programs and Dad's Army being particularly one like yeah and uh, I think there's a there's a lovely thing to that I mean I don't make any comedy you can watch with your family but. No. If it's done well and it's done right, then that's that's great. That's yeah, and they, I, I think the BBC in that era, yeah, so for a lot of their shows, they managed to crack that. Yeah, they really did actually. There was a lot of really great programs that um, you know they get a lot of stick because they're not cool. And uh, yeah, but but then that's comedy's not cool though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're trying to be cool though, being yeah. being a band, exactly. Yeah. And even then, it's probably gonna be shit if you're trying to be cool. Yeah, as well. yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, I genuinely have a lot of love for uh, Dad's Army. I think it's, uh, I think it, I think it's genuinely, genuinely it's fucking brilliant. This isn't like, like you know, obviously there's a lot of like catchphrasey stuff, but it's funny. It's funny. It made me laugh a lot. So favorite characters and why? Uh, uh, favorite characters like I really like um, I really like Jones. I think Corporal Jones is great. Um, I really like we're doomed, doomed <laughs> as well. Like there's. I don't know. Like I really like um like the air raid warden has such like a like he he just has that like per- piece that perfect jobs with yeah he's that guy who's just got that little bit of power he's a every character in it is sort of a an archetype yeah. you know and the way they bounce off each other but I think uh, I think his his relationship with Captain Mannering is really funny because they both are those little like they both want to be in charge of their own little domain and yeah. then like conflicting with each other then you got like the beautiful warmth of the relationship between Mannering and Pike yeah like, it's gorgeous like it's like you know that sort of fatherly like contempt almost mm. but like uh, yeah I, th- I think that's um that's I just the, the interaction between them all is what's so lovely it's mm. uh, I think that's what makes the heart of it and I think that's kind of what we hope it's like in the actual in the actual army as well yeah, I don't think it is. No, of course it's not. I don't think that's how <laughs> no. it's a very reflective of the I mean like army. I meant like the I meant the relation the positive relate the positive relationship. Sure. Also. I think there's but, a lot more like hazing and drinking goes yeah. on <laughs> the modern army. Yeah. But, but you know, like those guys are actually going to war and seeing some shit. Like these blokes were just in Morecambe all over his set, like you know, they weren't seeing a lot of action. I reckon we should have sent them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so did you see the film? Yes, uh, no, like the new one. No, I, I haven't seen that actually. I didn't go watch it. I just don't. I don't know if I want to. You know what I mean? I like, don't I just, want to see it. I, do, I just leave it alone. It's fine. Like I don't. You know, when people like remake stuff, I'm never like, oh, it's ruined because the original thing is still. You there. can't ruin it. Yeah, it's already there. So yeah. like, I just didn't bother to be honest with you. Like I mean, um, I like Bill Nighy. Yeah. A lot. I think he's fantastic, and I like the fact that Neil from the Inbetweeners is playing Pike. Plays Pike. Perfect. Perfect casting. But. But yeah, do we do we need it? No. no. I, I, my grandparents went to go see it. Like eight, they're they're in their mid eighties at the minute. They went to see it. They was like, what was the point in this? Yeah, yeah. And if it's not if it's not for them, then no. Yeah, yeah. Like I'll just stick with the originals, man. Yeah. Like, but it can't be worse than like, Holiday on the Buses. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean I've watched a lot of On the Buses as well as younger because like you know. I'm, I, I, I grew up with four TV channels. So yeah. You know, if that was on, you fucking Same, watched yeah. it. Of course like, it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. God, on the buses is indefensible. Yeah. Like, it is. Whew, yeah, that is like that is what the word problematic was invented for. <laughs> I think that should be our next one. That we do. Right, I'll, I'll happily discuss on the buses with you because 
fuck me, there's some shit going down mm. in that programme. It's it's absolute lunacy. <laughs> or um, are you being served the movie where they go to the Costa Blanca? Yeah, this is it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, the, they always like there was a, there was a, a, a theme of series having an episode like which was a feature. A feature, one, a feature yeah. And they, they went on yeah. holiday. Yeah. They always went on fucking holiday. That was the setup. Yeah. And that was it. That's the plot. They're but, on holiday. Like it can work. Yeah. Like the in between this movie worked. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, yeah. I mean, the, the yeah, he- I love the heavy. Yeah. The I mean, heavy it's side. Fine, isn't it? It's fine. The in between this movie, but to be honest, like I kind of think the in between this is a little bit overrated. I think. Oh, I, I think you know. I think it's perfectly good. I just don't think it's as great as it's been blown up to be. I think there was a dearth of good sitcoms around though, so yeah. I think people latched onto it. But. Um, yeah, I haven't seen the second in between this movie, but I don't particularly care to. It's it's not as good, but like it's yeah. It's I probably will do when I'm stoned at some point, but yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, like uh, yeah, there was a weird thing in the sixties. Everyone went on holiday for yeah a feature length episode. Just bring that back. Yeah, please do. Well, they don't need. Well, I don't think they really need to anymore because we've got Benidorm. Oh yeah, this is it. Yeah, <laughs> God, my mum loves Benidorm. I like Benidorm as well. Fair enough. <laughs> I've, I've only seen like little bits of my mum's show. I've not got into it, so I couldn't comment. But uh, it's Johnny Vegas is the fucking best. So he is. You know. Michael Pennington, sir. Let's put. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course, Pennington. Yeah. Yeah. Like, does he? Yeah, like not be, not many people know this, but. He's a character, Johnny Vegas. Yeah, yeah, he's a whole character. Yeah, like yeah. if you're into vodka, it's really great, isn't it? Like the way he used to get into character as Johnny Vegas was to drink half a bottle of vodka and six Guinness. Yeah, that, that was how he got into character. Then he was Vegas. And then we, and he did that at Late and Live and that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah like I was an, an amazing stand-up Johnny Vegas. Like I, I gigged with him once at his hometown theatre when he came back to doing stand-up, and it was amazing. One of my favourite nights in comedy. So he's genuinely one of the uh, the, the most original and brilliant and exciting live acts there has ever been Johnny mm-hmm. Vegas like I can't overemphasize how brilliant he was when he was just like drunk and sweating and he sat at his potter's wheel that was what was <laughs> so amazing right like he'd be this drunk horrible mess roaming through the audience screaming at people but then he had just this beauty in his soul yeah that he would just sit and create this beautiful pot on stage and <laughs> it was incredible incredible Rob, it's been a fucking pleasure, man. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's always, it's always been a, yeah, it's been a pleasure again, mate. It's been nice to chat. Um, yeah. But yeah, listeners, get on my podcast and my special, Too Big to Fail. It's on YouTube. Check it out, man. Yeah, what's the podcast called? It's called YouTube. Rob Mulholland Has an Opinion. And it's me, sometimes with guests, having opinions on things. It's literally that. Like, each episode will be about a thing. Nice. And I will just uh, try and be funny about it. Yeah, sweet. And where can they see you? Uh, if you go on my website, it's uh, robcomedy.co.uk. There's a gig section on there. If you want to find out where I'm going to be playing live, that is the best place to do it. Sweet. Oh, always a pleasure, man. Hey, it's been wonderful. We'll do a handshake. Yeah, fuck it. A visual, hand, like, a visual <laughs> gag that they can't fucking see. Thank you to Rob and thank you to you guys for actually listening to this. As always, you can catch me on Instagram at whoiskw, um, on Twitter at Kyle Wolf Comedy and... Yeah, that's it, guys. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.